Witch is an original immersive experience based on the true story of the Pendle Witch Trials of 1612. We'll learn about the writing and design process. That's coming up on today's show. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the HAN podcast, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. And of course, we just finished our annual 61-day Hauntathon, where we featured a different haunt from all around the world every day on the show. Check our feed to listen to some of those great episodes if you missed any. Okay, as I mentioned, which is an original immersive experience. Prepare to be separated from the people you came with and have a unique experience as you meet the witches and the inquisitors of the haunted forest of Pendle. Traverse the world of a haunted museum and an abandoned chapel. The same team behind which also created It's Alive, which we covered last year. That episode is also in our archive. Today, we'll speak with co-writer Devin and Marcus, one of the actors, about the process. Which runs approximately two and a half hours, and it debuted this fall. The show just concluded this past weekend. It did change venues. It started off in the Heritage Square Museum and then moved over to the Mountain View Mausoleum. I interviewed Devin on the second to last weekend in person at the mausoleum. Here we go. I'm Devin Armstrong. I'm the artistic director of the Downtown Repertory Theater Company, and we make immersive theater in spooky, cool locations. And uh, tell me about what you have going on this year with Witch. Witch is a play that takes place across an entire campus of a mausoleum. So it's a three-story building that's about a city block wide by a city block long. And we use every inch of the place in our play, which is set in Pendle in 1612 and based around the Pendle Witch Trials. We'll have 10 scenes happening simultaneously so that the audience is divided into all these different scenes and everybody sees a different story. And then we also have one-on-one scenes where it's just you and one of the characters and you'll have a scene together where they're just performing for only you. And we have that throughout this whole amazing, cool, spooky building. (laughs) So the tagline for witch is, you may be accused of witchcraft, you may be asked to sign the devil's book, you may want to brush up on your prayers. And those are scenes in the play. You might be asked to sign the devil's book. That's a thing that happens with a one-on-one with the devil. So (laughs) he's called the gentleman in the play. You never really know he's the devil, but it's often into that. In which... uh, the audience sort of becomes part of Pendle in the sense that uh, when they participate in witchcraft experiences with a witch, palm reading, things that would have been considered witchcraft in the day, you might get some blacklight ink rubbed on your hand and then later on in the show, to your surprise, as they're checking your hands to see who's been in contact with a witch, you may find, uh, oh my god, I've got ink all over my hands, I, I have been, I am guilty <laughs> of hanging out with witches. So. Which is a two and a half hour show and the crowd is limited to 40 people that we can really make this story happen and facilitate all these one-on-ones and facilitate all these different storylines that the audience members go through. So yeah, it's a full experience and at the end of the show, if you came with some friends, all of you will have had a different story and you'll spend the car ride home hopefully talking about what happened to you and how your story differed and my favorite part of it, of course, is that you're getting different character perspectives so you may be at odds with your friend about who was in the right. Was Roger Nowell in the right? Was Janet in the right? Because you're seeing different perspectives, so you never know. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about 
Why did you choose Pendle and why are you continuing that theme? Absolutely. Originally, we, I knew I wanted to write something about rich, witches. And so my co-writer and I, we went researching, trying to figure something out. And I actually had originally planned on writing about Heinrich Kramer, who wrote the Malleus Maleficarum. But it wouldn't work, no matter how I tried, it wouldn't work in this immersive storytelling setting where you just would have to follow Heinrichs the entire time and it wouldn't work so well. And I stumbled on Pendle as a result of looking through all these different witch trials. And I was, at first I was a little daunted, but I found it daunting because the crucible exists and it's the pinnacle of witch trial plays. No one will ever write a better witch trial play than the crucible. But what we sought to do was to find the, a completely different theme. So the crucible did its thing about its characters. What we were narrowing in on was misinformation. That was the idea behind this play, how misinformation can take hold in a town and then people can start literally seeing things that aren't there. And then you, the audience, get roped into this and in the second act of the play, you too will start to see things that aren't yeah. really there, aren't really happening. So you start seeing devil dogs and, you know, witches and people eating souls and things like that. So you get to experience what it was like to be somebody in Pendle. So yeah, not going to mess with Arthur Miller. He did it perfect, but we just, we went a completely different direction and hopefully made a very different experience to what The Crucible is. Just the last few years, what we've all been living through, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I think we all are getting exposed to just a massive amount of misinformation and, uh, and it's affecting our lives and we all know people who believe things that are clearly not real. And that, that sort of inspired, like when we hit on the story of Pendle, this idea that this child, this nine-year-old kid, had been able to bring down her entire family and nine other people or whatever into this, into execution, that was, that really stuck. And so like that misinformation idea, wanted to do a story about witches that came mm, together okay. in a perfect way. Because there's, there were, I don't know, 400 witch trials, like I said, that yeah. we went through. Like, hey, interesting, but this one was like, oh, that's, that's perfect for now. It seemed a good play for the time. How historically yeah. accurate is it? Here we had one guy who was a, who went to the trial and took notes and he was super like, totally believed witches were real and was really into the whole execution thing. And that's all we had to go off of. That and actual historical records, like we figured out that one person had sued another and that one person had fired another, things like that. Most of the characters are actual people with the exception of Anne Redfern, who's an amalgam of two different historical figures that we mixed into one. And uh, most of what they say and do is based on his on things that happened. They were actually hanged, not burned. The actual Pendle witches, but it just it, we wanted to give them some dignity, and it wasn't working. <laughs> it wasn't working with hanging. Yeah, but yeah, it's a real story. It's a heartbreaking story, and it lends itself really well to the, the tragedy and the dark romance of what we always tend to do. But yeah, why not make it just a regular linear story? We like conflict and characters, so we wanted to make a conflict character-based story. And then we wanted to tell it from the perspective of all these different characters. And for me and uh, my co-writer, John Armstrong, we care a lot about the, to hear about the perspectives of people who weren't necessarily in the center of the spotlight. So when you visit Pendle here, you meet Roger Nowell, the sheriff, and you meet Janet Bedevis, the nine-year-old, and you get to see from their perspectives how something like this comes to pass. And I don't think you can do that in a proscenium style show because you wouldn't be able to get inside the minds of all these different people and see how the town comes down, like how it falls apart, yeah. how it all goes crazy. So, Why is that important though? And to play devil's yeah. advocate, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, we have editors for a reason. Yeah, that's true. And when you are doing a linear style, you are directing, essentially you're editing, you're directing the attention yeah. to make sure that you focus on what's important. In this case, you're widening the lens. Yeah. But 
Is that needed? Yeah, I think so. Do a lot of uh, non-immersive, just regular old proscenium theater too, outside of this company, and uh, and it lends itself to a different kind of story. So in our plays, we have scenes that everybody sees, yeah, and those would be your proscenium storytelling scenes, and yes. those scenes have to have all the facts yeah. in essence. So anything that's that the audience needs to know to see the story goes in that scene, and everything else is perspective. And that's what you can't get in, I suppose you could, but you couldn't get nearly as much. Like every actor in this play is basically Hamlet. They have the entire story to tell from their perspective, from the beginning to the end. And then as the audience goes through and gets these different perspectives, and then they meet afterwards and talk about it, what, what they saw and what they took in and what their opinion is now about this whole story, they're gonna have a very different experience, which I think lends itself to this storytelling. Like I said, so it's, if it's about the spread of misinformation, who spread it? <laughs> Where did it come from? Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? And obviously something like this, you don't really end up with a good guy and a bad guy. You end up with a lot of people who get influenced in different ways and end up in this horrible dilemma <laughs> that they can't escape. That's a lot to write. Talk to me about the process of that. It's a lot, it's a lot of writing. The, the upside of the rehearsals is since we are a very small company, we, we have a small cast of actors who we love and love to work with and we all work together um, a lot. So it's a fast rehearsal process in terms of just like getting on our feet and getting right in there with each other right away. But when it comes to the writing, this was actually only written in about six weeks or less. It just comes down to we get really busy in the year. It says off doing a bunch of other theater things throughout the year and we were like, oh my God, we've got we've got a show to put up in a month and a half. We gotta get it together. So yeah, we started writing really fast, but it might be part of too why the historical stuff helps and the storytelling is you have something to be like, okay, here's what the people did. We know it ends here and starts here and now we just have to figure out all the perspectives and uh, write it out really fast. But basically we write scenes and bounce them back and forth to each other and uh, we knock them out pretty quick. I think basically once you've decided who the characters are and what they want, once you start to hear their perspectives, it starts to write itself. Because once you know how Nal talks, once you know what Nal thinks, it flows pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, it's massive logistics. Cause yeah, like I said, there's 10 scenes happening at the same time a lot and uh, that you have to divide the audience across those scenes. And then some of those scenes are one-on-one. So it's just one person with one actor and the actors in character serve as to move the audience around. And we have us also move the audience around. But uh, but yeah, it's, it, the first time you do it, it's always a complete mess and everyone's like, what? Ah, what's happening? But yeah, and then eventually you get it down to a really comfortable science like they have now. And the actors are just, they just go through the show without even noticing it anymore. <laughs> but there's one of them now. But yeah. I caught up with one of the actors to talk to them about what it was like to participate in a play like this. I'm Marcus Jorgensen, and I play James Devis in Witch. You are acting, but you're also cognizant of how much time everything is taking because you have a certain amount of time to be at the next place and drop off the audience member. And there are times where I, I knew that I was like running out of time. And so then by the time I actually get the audience member where they need to go, I'm running super behind so that I'm sprinting around this mausoleum and just like sweaty and all that kind of stuff. Every audience member responds differently to what's happening to them. And so it's so fun just playing what the audience member is giving you and some audience members are like really into it and like super responsive and like really scared one of the coolest things about this is that like when we did our table read the, if we put the whole script together because it's so many separate little like scenes everywhere it would probably be like five hours long so in our table read we actually didn't get through the whole thing before we started rehearsing and because our rehearsal process was like only three weeks long there's stuff and there's like meat of the story 
that I didn't even know about until two weeks ago when the person that's playing the devil is talking about like all this stuff that's happened to like my dad and stuff like that. And it's, whoa, there's so much here because we only got the sections of the script that we are in. Alice Nutter has uh, a scene where she's talking to Bannister and she's pointing at a, a pen on the table saying, that's a witch. And he's like, no, it's a pen, but it's no, it's a witch because like I just said it's a witch. You can say anything is anything. And if enough people believe it, they'll treat it as such. And that's concerning to me. But that's also why I feel like as an actor, it feels like such a blessing to be able to tell these stories because yeah, it's just like what I personally want to my craft to do is to make the world a better place. Okay, let's catch back up to Devin where I talked to him about the future and if he plans on continuing to create these immersive productions every year. Yeah, I think we definitely, uh, we, we like to make this a yearly thing. We're trying to make immersive theater that's, it's a tricky thing, because I also would like to do a smaller, more, uh, a smaller, more immersive project, but the downside of that is the economics of it. The cool part about this is I think we're trying to give an experience that's really unique and really fun for half the cost of what immersive, most immersive experiences are like, and that's not easy to do, and it, it comes at the cost of some, we have to have an audience of 40 to a cast of 11 or 12, but we're trying to make everybody get that one-on-one -on -one thing, and we're trying to make everybody have this special experience, because a lot of immersive theaters like $200 a ticket, and uh, that's, we're trying to, trying to keep it egalitarian enough to compete with, I don't know, Halloween Horror Nights or another event that you might want to go to, because not everybody likes jump scares. Some people want character-based spooky stuff and that's more what we do so that's our target can we give you something that would be like halloween horror nights or not scary farm but more for story oriented levers of conflict and drama with a little spookiness thrown in so i think we'll probably do shows like this here every year and then we may have another show that's just going to be a smaller capacity if we can we're working on it might be about an asylum i don't know uh. <laughs> yeah Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo Sign up at gantum.com slash demo. That's gantum.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.